Welcome to another episode of the Head of Nations podcast. I'm your host, Brian, and across from me is your co-host, Ben. So, Ben, what is new in your nations this week? So, I'm um, deciding how best to serve my local church this week. So, I'm just kind of praying through that, and um, that's what I'm. That's that's where I'm at right now. <laughs> okay. Well, that's good. That sounds so, a little cryptic, but yeah, we'll, we'll leave yeah. it at that. But I think that that's a really important thing is yes. serving. I mean, we're yes. called to serve, and Ephesians makes it pretty clear that God has prepared works for us to do in yes. advance. So just kind of figuring out where your role is in that. Yes. And so, yeah, whether it's it's helping out with Sunday school or the youth, um, just open to, to God's leading. And so that's that's where I've been this week. Yeah. Is the bouncer role open at the church? Could you fill that one? Yeah, I think so. Okay. I think so. I think um, you should pitch that. Okay. To the eldership. Like, <laughs> listen, guys, I've got a plan. Head bouncer. <laughs> what do you think? I know. I need one of those like those like shirts that says that says, that is the title. You know. Uh huh. Um, what do they do? They have those things outside the clubs. You know, the clubs. Yeah. That we frequent. Exactly. Yeah. One of my favorite lines <laughs> I saw in a show about bouncing. I don't. Even, we're already off the rails, but it was this guy and he was at an event and someone's trying to sneak in and he kind of keeps them out and the guy is giving him pushback and he's like. I don't make the rules. I just beat up the guys who don't follow them. <laughs> and I was like, best line yeah, that's ever. That's nice. That's yeah. nice. So that, I feel like that could be kind of like the tagline on yeah. your shirt, your yeah, bouncer shirt. something like that. Yeah. Like a gold chain as well. Absolutely. Something. It's necessary. Yes. Going for the Mr. T look. That's right. All right. So along those lines, what's new in my nations this week is I've done some, my annual firearms training that I do. Yeah, so it was it was a good time. Went out with the guys. We trained, and we trained with some high-level dudes that were doing the training. It was pretty cool. They were super humble, extremely humble. Like, one of the guys was a, a former African Special Forces guy. And, like, these are both guys. That, the guys that ran the training, they're both guys that have seen the elephant. They've been in gunfights, both of them. And the one guy was kind of like, you know, I'm just telling you, I, I, I don't know anything. I'm just like, and he wasn't being falsely humble, like falsely modest. He was just kind of like, listen, you know, I don't know as much as some people, but this is what I do and this is why I do it. And I'm like, I know who you are and I know what you've done. Like in my mind, I'm not telling him this, but I'm like, I know you've been in tons of gunfights. Yeah. And so he's given advice, like he's giving advice to us, but he's giving it from a place of humility. He's not like, oh, I've been in 1700 yes. gunfights, so do what I say. He's just kind of yeah. like, hey, you know, I don't know as much as some of the other guys, but this is what I do and this is why I do it. But I thought it was extremely... He's a warrior. He is. He is. But like a true warrior. He's like yeah. a quiet warrior. Yeah, he's like he's not he touting has, himself. Yeah, he doesn't have to talk about it much. He's not flaunting everything yeah. that he's done. He's, he's quiet. And when he corrected, this is something else I thought like when the, when the guys were correcting, because everyone makes mistakes. Mm -hmm. That's why you train, mm -hmm. to get better at making fewer right, mistakes, right, right. right? Because in the firearms world a mistake can be very costly. So he would point out, like, hey, I'm not trying to be down on you guys. I'm telling you this because I want you to be better, which is why you're here. Right? So even very gentle yeah. in correction. So you've got a warrior that's been in a lot of gunfights that's also gentle in correction, which I thought was awesome. So that's what's new in my nation this week. Wait, can you just pause for a second and yeah. explain to me that you you said a phrase that was that I've never heard before. He saw the elephant. Yeah. It, Can you just unpack that just briefly yeah. for, for me? So this is a phrase that people have used about people that have been in gunfights, 
right? So basically my understanding is it, it goes back to old safari hunting. And if you're going to have a guide to take you hunting, to take you elephant hunting, you want a guide that's seen the elephant, right? Oh, yeah. yeah. So in training, <laughs> you want someone that's seen the elephant. They, they've been in combat, like they've fired shots, they've had shots fired at them and they've been there, they know what it's like. They're not telling you. One of the things that I hate in life is people that speak on third-hand experience, right? Yes. Like, well, I know a guy who knows. Now, it's, it's different if you're telling a story like, hey, I know a guy who did this. That's kind of right, cool, right? Right, right? But if you're like, well, I know a guy who knows a guy who's been in a gunfight, and he says this is what you'll feel. Like, well, don't just don't right. say anything. Yeah, yeah. Be like, you don't really need to. I've trained. I shoot paper targets. Rock on. That's awesome, yeah, right? right? This is how I do it. But someone that's been there, they know what it's like. They can speak to it. Like someone that speaks about, like if you've you've ever been in a competition, like any kind of competition where you have any kind of competition anxiety, Mm -hmm. you can speak to that. But someone that's like, oh, I've heard you you feel like this in competition. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to teach you and train you based on what I've heard you feel like in competition. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a poser. Yeah. So (laughs) (laughs) it is. So... That phrase, seen the elephant, it's typically used in circles of firearms, of people who've been in gunfights. Yeah, I like so, that phrase. Yeah, isn't it? Isn't I want to cool use phrase? it more. Yeah. Okay. Because like, if you think, have you ever actually seen an elephant? Yeah. Like yeah. an African elephant, they're huge. Yeah. Indian elephants, they're okay. African yes. elephants are huge. I've you know, been to the zoo before. Yeah, yeah. at the zoo. Yeah. And they're and washing the elephant. You're pretty close when they're like washing it. Yeah. Like you're like, wow. That's, and that's they're huge. But so if you've seen the elephant, you know know what's up. But in a gunfight, if you've seen the elephant, you know what's up. Yeah. So you can teach people accordingly. It's like when when I am teaching people about martial arts, Mm. my competition experience, I don't have a ton. I have some competition experience, Mm -hmm. but it's a level of adrenaline dump you get nowhere else. Mm -hmm. And so it, Mm -hmm. it allowed me because the one guy was saying, if you get into a gunfight, it's emotionally and physically draining. Yeah. Right. And, but he was speaking from experience. Yeah. And the best thing I could do was go, I've been in some competitions where the adrenaline dump was so huge. It wasn't, I wasn't nervous. Right. But there's something when you lock on to a guy and you're both like, I'm going to uh, yeah, win or to win. I'm going to die. <laughs> right. Like that's the mindset going into a competition. <laughs> I'm going to win or I'm going to die. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And so, you get into that competition mode, the adrenaline dump happens. Things happen where like you miss frames of time. Yeah. Where someone was one foot away from you and all of a sudden you're locked up and you don't know what happened in between. Interesting. Because adrenaline messes with your time perception. It messes with your breathing. You get way more tired. So like when he said that, I linked to my martial arts competition and I was like, Yes, I understand that as much as I can, but he understands it more. Yeah. But someone that's never been there they don't know. Right. If you're just shooting paper targets all the time, which is awesome. Yeah. Right. But they don't know that aspect of the adrenaline dump that happens. Yeah. When you're competing, in his sense, he was competing for his life. Right. 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 In my sense, I'm competing for a medal and to not look dumb. Like, I don't want to look dumb. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I get that. Yeah. yeah. Interesting. But, yeah. Just a really quick side note. One cool thing that was, I think, helped with stress management is in this training you shot your strings with the whole rest of your team watching. Hmm. So you're out there by yourself and everyone's watching yep. you, right? So And they can see. They can see when you screw up. <laughs> yeah, which is pretty cool. That is good. Yeah. So anyway, that's what's new in my nation. Nice, but, I yeah. like that. 
Good. So, Good. and now we've got a new phrase, <laughs> seeing the elephant. Yeah, seeing the, I've seen the elephant. All right, so let's move into the, <laughs> the verse of the week. So the verse of the week is Nehemiah chapter 6, and I'm going to flip so you'll hear the pages, hopefully. I, I just, I love that sound on radio when people are like flipping the pages. Anyway, so Nehemiah chapter 6, verses 10 through 13, and this is Nehemiah speaking. He says, one day I went to the house of Shemaiah, son of Delia, son of Mehetabel, who was shut in his home. He said, let us meet in the house of God inside the temple and let us close the temple doors because men are coming to kill you. By night, they are coming to kill you. But I said, should a man like me run away or should one like me go into the temple to save his life? I will not go. I realized that God had not sent him, but that he had prophesied against me because of Tobiah and Sanballat hired him. He had been hired to intimidate me so that I would commit a sin by doing this, and then they would give me a bad name to discredit me. So I just want to talk on this for a second here. The concept of cowardice and sin, it's coming up again, right? So the background here is Nehemiah is kind of helping to rebuild things in Jerusalem, and the people around the area are opposing the rebuilding. So like Sanballat and Tobiah, they're, they don't want Jerusalem to be rebuilt. They don't want it to be restored to a fortified city. And so Nehemiah is helping this rebuilding to go on and everyone's opposing him. And here he's being betrayed where, can you imagine how bad that would look as the leader if he would go cower and hide inside the temple because of a rumor of assassination? And so one of my favorite correlations to this is Ronald Reagan. So Ronald Reagan was shot very early into his presidential career. He almost died. He was rushed to the hospital. His life was saved. He gave a speech. I think it was maybe six weeks later. You'll have to check the timeline. And listener, if you know the timeline, you can email me, info at headofnations.com. I think it was six weeks later. He's speaking and a balloon pops on stage. And a lot of people duck down here. A little bit of screaming going on. Ronald Reagan is standing stalwart and he looks and says, missed me and then keeps talking. And I was like, that is what you want to see in a leader. That level of stoicism where he laughs in the face of danger, mm. right? Everyone else, they're like, someone tried to kill him weeks ago. Clearly, this is an, another assassination attempt. Mm. And they freaked out, not him. He didn't even blink. Mm. So what we see here with Nehemiah, Nehemiah is not willing to give way to pressure here. He's not willing to go hide to save his own life. Because what would that do to the people around him? As goes the leader, so go the people. And Nehemiah says that he would be committing a sin if he would have done this. So this to me is amazing where it's not just he would have done something wrong, he would have lost face, but his act of cowering in fear from his enemies. And by the way, this assassination threat is probably somewhat real. There are a lot of people in the area that don't want to see this completed. There are a lot of people in the area that don't want to see the success of Jerusalem or of Nehemiah. And I'm guessing that there is a real threat against his life. So it's not like it's fake. But what we see here is Nehemiah is like, uh uh, I'm not going into hiding because I would be sinning. So, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, he's a man of faith in God, and not even when we talk about faith, it's not it's not blind. 
he's this man is convinced and he has done all of this and all of this was able to be done for him that is asking the king for leave you know mm-hmm. um, asking the king for supplies and you know, to fund this thing and asking for that approval was a big deal and god said yes so the king said yes so he knows he is god's man for this job and there's no wavering in that and this would be sinful in wavering when god has asked him to do this thing for him to to hide from it is a lot is would be a demonstration that he doesn't trust god but why what reason does he not have to trust god at this point god has provided everything that he needs and so this little I mean, this is this is a temptation, you know, to to sin through fear, and Nehemiah is not having any of it. And I love that because he's he's our example here because we we are intimidated, I, I think, frequently, especially in our in our society, to stop the work, stop stop saying what we're in this podcast. I think I have not yet been intimidated, um, but I think that this this is something that is counter cultural counter world mm-hmm. it'll th- come to by the way i'm sure I, right, at some there, point there will be pressure yeah. once i mean once people start mm-hmm. noticing uh, yeah, that we're saying things that are true and biblical this will happen and so when i look at nehemiah and i see you know he says that that kind of surrendering to that idea that 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 i should be afraid and i should hide and i should stop this work that god has called me to that is like that's sinful. You know, this is something that we we got to combat, and and if Nehemiah can do it, we can do it who are spirit filled. You know? Amen. Absolutely. But, yeah. So that's an example to us to when we see the pressure that's exerted. A lot of people cave to the society around them when society's like you can't say that you shouldn't do this. They surrender. Yeah. Instead of holding the ground for the kingdom of God, what Nehemiah was doing was literal kingdom work. And what we're doing is kingdom work. If we are spreading the message of the gospel, if we're holding to or preaching or speaking scriptural truth, we are literally doing kingdom work. And so why would we fold on that? Now, we recognize the pressure is real. I'm sure Nehemiah thought for a minute like, oh man, people are coming to kill me. And he's like, nope. Hey, what's going to happen is going to happen. It's in God's hands, and I and I think there is the, there's that level of, of faith and trust in in the Lord. There's also that level of of real taking real responsibility. He armed his the builders were armed <laughs> as they were building, and they had people with bow with bow and arrow turned around and ready to fire on anybody who would oppose him. So I think that we have this as an example: his faith, his certainty. He was convinced that he was, he was God's man and doing God's work. But we also have this, this is, this is wisdom, you need to arm yourself. And I think mm-hmm. that, that this is to arm ourselves for our kingdom building is to be readers, be, be writers, and, and, and learn how to think and, and use our words to convince and to, to persuade, but also to, to share the truth mm-hmm. from God's word, um, to speak into this, this world that needs it, that, that is too often wants to live a lie, right? That, that will destroy and hurt. So that's what, that's what we're called to do. Amen. Yeah. yeah. So let's move now into the topic of the week, which if we're following mm. this trend here that Nehemiah is setting, we will experience. 
So this is going to be a two-parter, and part one is going to be more on our side of things, like how we deal with this, and part two is going to be more of the biblical side of things, but the topic for the week is conflict. So Benjamin Franklin said that only two things in this life are certain, death and taxes. Now, I may be paraphrasing, I think that's a quote, but maybe a close paraphrase, and he said that in Poor Richard's Almanac, but I think that he forgot a third part of life that's a certainty, and that is conflict. I don't know if you have ever thought about this. I've thought about this more the older I've gotten. I used to look at conflict as an anomaly, but the more that I live and the more that I observe, the more that I see conflict as a consistency instead of an anomaly. It's a constant. So examples that I can think of in my life, children. You're a parent, right? Yeah. Do your children ever have conflict? Yes, Brian. Yeah. Every day. Every day. <laughs> yeah. So with with children, like I see when my children interact with one another, there is conflict on, I would say, I don't want to say moment by moment, mm. but I would say it's probably every five minutes. Legitimately, literally, there's conflict. And it's not because my kids are abnormal. Right. It's because my kids are normal yes. that that level of conflict occurs and my kids, they love each other. Yes. They are great playmates. They play very well together. But in the midst of that play, there'll be breaks for conflict. Mm-hmm. So conflict. It's natural. It is. Yes. It is so natural. Yeah. So parent to child, when I have to correct, there's conflict. Mm-hmm. That by nature, my role as a parent is to instruct to guide and to correct. My goal as a parent and my role, my God-given role, is to discipline my children so that they become more like Christ, right? I'm supposed to teach them godly principles, godly behavioral principles, godly thought patterns, and when they don't comply, I'm supposed to discipline them so that they do, right? So there's bound to be conflict there. Do you ever have conflict with your wife? Yes, bro. <laughs> <laughs> Me too. Right. Like, and it's not because we're abnormal. Right, right. Right. But when you live with someone, like I thought about this and I've been thinking about this for years. I have conflict with myself. You have conflict with yourself? Yeah. 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 So if I can't get along with myself, mm. then how am I going to live life with another person mm-hmm. who, by the way, probably has trouble getting along with herself? <laughs> how are we going to live together? without there being conflict. There's going to be conflict. It's not abnormal. It's quite frankly normal. Coworkers. Now, that's one. Quite frankly, in my job, I think coworker conflict is pretty rare, which I think is awesome. Yes. I I work in a rare place where coworker conflict is extremely rare. Mm -hmm. But I used to work in other places where coworker conflict was the norm. Mm -hmm. And it was often petty things. But a lot of people that may be listening are going to be working outside of an environment of where I'm at and the situation that I'm in, and they're going to be dealing with different circumstances where conflict is a norm. So conflict with coworkers is often a norm for people. And I think all one has to do is just look at modern entertainment involving a workplace and it demonstrates that really well. They highlight that conflict, that interpersonal dynamic in the office. 
not the TV show The Office, although they may, but in an office, I should say. How about driving? Hmm. There's a term for conflict while driving. It's called road rage, right? <laughs> I mean, just think how often... Now, I think road rage... Personally, I, I think road rage is stupid. Mm. It's too high cost mm -hmm. for no reward. Mm. What do you gain right. from road rage? What's well, the reason? Yeah. Like, do <laughs> you know who I am? <laughs> they cut me yeah. off. It's like, who no. do you think you are? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, I mean, I understand the temptation, mm. right? I do. But road rage happens on a regular basis. And not even road rage, but just think, like... Someone does something we don't like. I really don't like when people drive slowly in the passing mm -hmm. lane mm -hmm. because it's a passing lane. Right. It's right. for passing. Yes. And I get irritated. Yeah. Now, I may not demonstrate honk. that. I'm not going to honk. I'm honk. not going to yell. I'm not going to bright people. <laughs> right. But inside, I'm like, oh, I, I'm experiencing like, yeah. if I could talk to them, I'm hopefully I could deconflict, but I, I would want to be like, this is the passing yeah, teach lane. them. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, driver's ed. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, customer service. Customer service is all about dealing with conflict, either dealing with conflict that has happened because someone's purchased something or they've had an experience at your store or whatever that they don't like and they're upset. Or Oof. the other side of customer service is proactively deconflicting before mm. conflict happens happens mm. yeah so these are just some scenarios that i thought of where conflict is just a regular part of life we go throughout life any leadership role that you're in there's going to be conflict at some mm -hmm. point because people don't always like to be led the way that you want to lead mm -hmm. and sometimes we need to adapt to that and sometimes we need to hold the line but that's where wisdom comes into play and we'll talk about that a little bit later mm -hmm. but anything that we're involved in is going to involve some level of conflict. And over the years, reading the account of Moses, hmm. that's really what I think revealed to me that conflict is the norm. Because I was like, okay, Moses, the friend of God, right, right. who saw God face to face and spoke to him face to face as with a friend. That's what the Bible says. So I'm like, Moses, he knows what's up. Hmm. His leadership of the Israelites was a consistent struggle with conflict. He's like, hey guys, that manna that's out there, you know, just just pick up what you need. Don't pick up extra. It's going to go bad. And it went bad mm -hmm. because they didn't listen. Yeah. And then he got mad, right? He, it, he was angry with them oh, because yeah. he's like, I told you guys, it's going to stink up the camp. Why'd you do this? And they're like, I don't know, <laughs> right? And he's like, hey guys, you know, God's going to provide. And they're like, give us water, Moses. Mm, and they were like ready. Grumbled, they're, yeah. they're angry at him. They mm. grumbled against him. And so Moses is like, oh, these people are grumbling. Against yeah. So people try to take his job. Yeah. Yeah. We, conflict there. More grumbling, grumbling that there's not meat, mm. grumbling that all they get is manna. They took a wife, that, you know, that they didn't approve of. Yeah. Like, oh, yeah. yeah. So there's all, oh but gosh. all of it was, it was conflict, conflict, yeah. conflict. And here you mm. have a guy that's just willing to serve. He's doing what God has called him to do. Mm -hmm. He's leading a group of people that he helped through God to lead out of slavery. Slavery. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And at one point they're like, oh, can we just go back to being slaves again? Like, <laughs> yeah. this is terrible, Moses. This being free stuff is bad. And I just, I feel yeah. for Moses yeah, you're right, because right. Moses is living through all this conflict. And I wonder if Moses is like, is this what it's supposed to be like? <laughs> is, is this what it's like? And really, okay, this is the sad part. Moses 
misses out mm. on the promised land because mm-hmm. of his response mm-hmm. to conflict. At one point, the people are grumbling mm. and they're complaining and they're like, there's not water. And Moses is like, God, what do you want me to do? And God's like, hey, go go talk to this rock. Mm-hmm. And Moses is like, all right. And then the people keep grumbling. So Moses gets mad and smacks the rock with his staff. Mm-hmm. And God's like, hey, you can't go into the promised land now because you disobeyed me. Mm-hmm. He was angry with them and he acted in anger. I don't think it was the so much the acting in anger. It was the disobedience of the command. The command was speak to the rock. Mm-hmm. And he struck the rock instead because yeah. he was mad. But I feel for Moses because yeah. I'm like, Moses, I'm, I'm sure I know how you feel at some point. Yeah. Yeah. But there was conflict continually and we live with conflict continually. So we'd better be good at navigating conflict because it's not going away. Hmm. All right. So I want to hear some of your thoughts on this. Yes. So I like that, that what you said about conflict being something that that's too, it's too easy for us. It's too, it happens without us thinking even thinking about it and i think that it's important to understand that in you you mentioned it uh briefly but it's important to understand that we are people who struggle internally with conflict every moment of the day i want to not wake up and face the day so what we wake up you know there's we start our day with conflict. i'm tired you know my head hurts or something and then you're off and you're confronted with, you know, getting the kids ready for school. I do not want to do this right now. And it, but it doesn't stop. So you're internally battling your sinful self. And that's something that, that I think is, is, is part of life and is necessary, I think, for us to, to have to become, become the people that God wants us to be. I think if we're not people who have internal conflict weren't well what are we doing like who you you know so i think that that conflict is necessary otherwise we will be people who are indulging constantly indulging in the flesh constantly letting people down constantly you know we're not we're not head of our nations at that point Mm -hmm. Uh, i think that and maybe maybe we're heading into you know discipline you know kind of this idea but so i think that um it's important to, to recognize that conflict is is natural and not always terrible, but it's our response to it that is going to be you know the most important thing. That's what God is watching. That's what He He wants us to you know, to to grow in our response to conflict. Um, and then I think also that conflict is something that comes out of and, and can actually lead us to a place of, of more love and joy. You know, when I was thinking about conflict between um, me and my children and why, you know, why we, how we can use that conflict not to, to separate, to sever, but to use that conflict as a, as a time to, to understand how to be self-controlled, how to think when things are chaotic and they're screaming at each other because one ran into the other with their bicycle <laughs> or ran over their toes or something. And I think it's it's very important. One is crying and they want to do something in response very quickly and you're just like, stop. Let's take a breath and let's talk about it. Obviously, it's very easy to talk like this right now when it's just me. <laughs> yeah. But when, in the heat of the moment, it it is tough to do. But those are 
that's a, gr- a great teaching moment for everybody involved, for pe- for someone who's watching on the outside of it, for the person who's dealing with it, for the, the children who are going through it. And, you know, if it's, it's between you and your wife, there's conflict there. There, I think that conflict is absolutely necessary for marriage, for, for people who love each other. If there is no conflict in marriage, do you care? Do you even care? Mm-hmm. Um, and if you don't care to enter into that conflict, to fight for what matters to you and to her, then what, you're, I'm sorry, but you're not, you are not a, a man mm-hmm. that... Th- a man of, of of God, a man of conviction, a man who loves. You're, I think, less. I think you are still immature and kind of a boy if you don't take that on. That's my. Those are my thoughts right yeah, now. Yeah, I want to hop on the marriage point that you made because Dr. Jordan Peterson, whatever you think of him, he brought up an interesting study that stuck with me, and that was a study on marriage and conflict. And this one was shocking to me at first until I processed it. It was a study that was done that showed marriages that failed and the rate of conflict in the marriage. So if for every one negative interaction, you have four positive interactions, so four to one ratio, four good, one bad, the marriage is going to fail because it's too much bad to good. But on the other side of the spectrum, if you have a ratio higher than 11 to one, so 11 good to one bad, statistically that marriage is going to fail because there's not enough conflict because the person or the people both are so afraid of navigating that conflict that they harbor it inside. And so they stew on it and become embittered over wrongs that they feel like have occurred to them, which we're going to talk about in part two, the idea of what happens when you feel like something has happened that's wrong when someone's wronged you. But he explained this concept of if you have a five to one or a 10 to one ratio, somewhere in there, you're fine. Okay. Five to one or 10 to one. Yeah. Good to bad. Got it. But if you've got so many, four to one, like 25%-ish, you know, 20, 25% of your encounters are bad, that's no good. Interesting. But if like 9% only are bad, that's no good because when you're living with someone else, clearly there are things that happen where you've been wronged or you feel like you've been wronged. And if you don't deal with that, then it's going to fester. Mm -hmm. And if it festers, it colors the perception of the other person in your mind Mm -hmm. and more things build and fester until that division happens. So when you talk about conflict being a part Mm -hmm. of marriage, that was his point as well Mm -hmm. as a a psychologist, Mm. is that conflict must be a part of marriage. If you don't have conflict in your marriage, it's going to fail. But if you have too much in your marriage, it's going to fail. Interesting. So it's a concept of balance. So it's like conflict will happen. You will... If you, if you love the person, you will work through the conflict and learn to love better. But that doesn't stop conflict from happening. Exactly, exactly. That, that conflict may be from happening, although mm-hmm. even though I know what sets, you know, what sets my wife off mm-hmm. and what will upset her, I'm trying, I'm, I'm trying my best to be able to love her in the way that, that will not upset her. But uh, man, I'm so bad. I get it wrong most of the time still. So it's like, okay, I'm still growing in that way. Um, but I think that, that that may be the you know good model is learning to love them better 
in that conflict so that those conflicts may be lessened, maybe they in frequency, and then other ones come and yeah, but like if there wasn't if there wasn't ever any conflict, if she didn't let you know yes. that that upset her, yes, and that she didn't feel loved because you're doing that right. or didn't feel loved very well, there would be this gap between the two of yes. you because she's like he leaves his socks on the floor, therefore he doesn't care that the room is messy. Which it's important to have a clean room to me, right? right so you right. you don't even recognize that unless she brings it up. Right. When she brings it up, there's going to be conflict. Yes, right. But it helps you to learn to love one another better yes yeah and, solid yeah. point and when you said that you start seeing you start seeing the spouse in a certain light as if they don't care about you you are then going to justify certain actions that are sinful against her and it's just going to it'll be a snowball that's yes that's why conflict is important you need it but managing the conflict well yes so yes. when we say conflict what shouldn't be occurring is screaming, mm -hmm. yelling, name-calling, losing our tempers, things like that. That, that yeah. should not be occurring. That should not be part of the conflict, especially if you're wanting to be head of your nation. Yes. So Chuck Norris, oh, the I like, legendary I like where this is going. Chuck Norris, yeah. <laughs> had a quote that I loved. And he said, a man just like steel is useless when it loses its temper. And if you know what tempered steel is, it's steel. Steel is hardened. So when you quench steel, it hardens really hard. But you temper it by taking some of that hardness out and giving mm -hmm. it a little bit more flexibility. Mm -hmm. So hardened steel is good for breaking. Non-hardened steel is too soft to do anything. Mm -hmm. But tempered steel is useful. But when it loses its temper, it's useless. And a man, Chuck Norris says, when he loses his temper is also useless i love that quote that's amazing isn't it what's chuck doing right now i feel like we could okay, probably let's talk about chuck norris for a minute we'll, we'll, yeah we'll... Okay. so chuck norris <laughs> so he's a taekwondo black belt i think yeah. he's i don't know i think he's like a sixth degree taekwondo black belt did you know he's also a third degree jujitsu black belt why wouldn't he be yeah so he's in his 80s <laughs> he's still yeah chuck norris is in his 80s he's still doing jujitsu in his 80s because he's chuck norris wow and I don't Incredible. know if you know this Chuck Norris fact, but did you know that Chuck Norris will no, never have a heart attack because his heart would never dare attack him? <laughs> yes. No, I, I've never heard that. But. Yeah, that's, that's a fact. It's not a joke. It's a fact. <laughs> All right, so let me move into really quickly how I navigate conflict. And I want to say, first of all, I recognize that I'm, I'm not perfect at this. In fact, I'm quite imperfect at this. I've learned things over the years, but sometimes I make mistakes. Sometimes I get more frustrated than I should. Sometimes maybe I speak more sharply to my children than I should, things like that. But my goal is always to learn from this. So here's what I do. Mm -hmm. Number one, the first thing I try to do is proactively mitigate conflict. Get ahead of the curve before it happens. So for example, if I know I've got something going on on a Saturday. I've learned over the years, tell my wife ahead of time, instead of like, if she thinks Saturday morning is going to be time to chill with the family. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, you know what? I've got a meeting on Saturday morning, but I tell her Friday night, there's going to be conflict mm. because she'll be like, I planned on this. We've got this going on. But if I tell her a week or two in advance, when I know that's proactively mitigating conflict that would have happened, mm. I'm stopping the conflict from occurring before it even happens. Like if I know something maybe a source of contention. I'm going to try to deal with it as soon as possible 
before it becomes a source of tension. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. So there are many examples of this, but I can just say it goes way better if you get ahead of the curve and proactively mitigate something that you think might be a conflict, right? So you're giving one kid a red lollipop. If you give the other kid a blue lollipop, guess what's going to happen? Conflict. If you give both kids a red lollipop, way less chance of conflict. Now there still might be conflict, but that's another example of like trying to get ahead of that curve, mitigate it before it happens. So number two, and it's really, really useful is deflect. Never underestimate the power of deflection. So, You never want to fight strength to strength if you can help it. If we're standing here and for some reason we've got to both throw down against each other, Mm -hmm. I don't want to fight you strength to strength. I want to fight your weakness with my strength. Mm. I want to deflect your strength and use it against you if I can in a martial arts setting. Well, in a conflict setting, if I don't let that blow land that you're throwing and I deflect, then things are going to go way better. So for example... If I come home from work and I'm a little grumpy, you know, cause sometimes I come home a little grumpy, especially, you know, I'm driving home and someone cuts me off. No, I don't, I don't, I don't road rage, road rage but someone yeah. cuts me off and I'm just kind of like, Oh man, like mm-hmm. what, what are they doing? Right, whatever. You know, so I get home, <laughs> if I'm a little grumpy and my wife's like, you're grumpy. I could be like, Oh yeah, well you're grumpier. <laughs> yeah. You're the grumpiest. Yeah. Right. Like yeah, I, yeah. I could get right in the conflict <laughs> zone and, and just throw it right back. Right. That, yeah, yeah, that, yeah. that's not useful at all. Mm-hmm but I can deflect and de-escalate the situation really well. Like, mm. you're grumpy. Well, I'm always grumpy. What, you know, mm. what do you want from me? Right? Mm. Like, of course I'm grumpy. That's just what I do. It's mm. who I am. I'm grumpy. Now, am I playing with it? Mm. Yeah. Is she madder at me? No. Nope. Am I madder at her? No. We both got a good chuckle. And now mm. guess what? The conflict, over. Mm-hmm. She got her point across. I'm grumpy. I got my point across that I hear you, but mm-hmm. you know, I'm going to have a little fun with this. Mm-hmm. So deflecting can be very useful sometimes, like mm. a little little wit peppered in there. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, if someone does that to you, like if you ever do say something to someone like, hey, you know, this kind of bothers me a little bit, like, hey, you know what, I'm just awkward, I'm sorry, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. No, I don't, I don't like to be self-deprecating very often because I think that that can give us a false image of ourselves, but sometimes deflection can be very handy in avoiding conflict. But don't be too self-deprecating at the expense of yourself. But I was throw that out there. Number three, mm-hmm. disengage. Just disengage. Like if you see a conflict coming that you don't need to have, why have it? Why? Why would I waste my time, my energy, raise my blood pressure if I don't need that? So like if someone's trying to draw me into a, an argument, whether it's about okay, so here's here's one that this might be. I don't even know. No one remembers this anymore. Maybe mm-hmm. it's not even hot button topic anymore. Uh, over the Ukraine issue, mm. I had people that were really mad at me that I just didn't want my kids to get nuked. Mm. And I was like, I just want to stay out of it. I, I don't even like, I don't want America in mm-hmm. this at all. Like, yeah. Is it sad? Sure. You know, is it sad quite frankly for innocent people on both sides? Yeah, it mm. is. Do I think that we should poke the nuclear bear of Russia and possibly go to nu- we had, Like we had people in Congress saying that we should proactively start a nuclear war, mm-hmm. right? And so if someone's trying to drag me into that conversation and they're really heated on one side, one way or the other, I just generally did not have those conversations. Mm-hmm. I was like, listen, you know, you do you. I don't want to really have this conversation. Mm-hmm. I'd be like, you know what? That's a really interesting point that you made. I'll have to think about that. Disengage. Mm-hmm. Like, let me go home and think about that. But I'm not going to yeah. hammer home my point because it's not going to change their mind. Yeah. 
and it's not going to change my mind. So why would I waste my effort? Yeah. Yeah. And they're those, those types of statements, even they're kind of like scissoring. They're, they're meant to, yeah. they're meant to, to bait you and uh-huh. bring you in. Like, don't expo- you care? Right. Right. And it's, it's only four. It's only four. It's well, we're, we're getting into the Proverbs zone, so oh. I'll, I'll hold up. Okay. But yeah. It is for, it, it's that stirring up. Yes. And, yeah. and that's, and that's wickedness. And we, yeah. I mean, we avoid that. Yeah. And then if you decide it's one of those rare instances to directly engage, be firm, be direct, stay on topic. Hmm. Because a lot of times when you directly engage, sometimes people will be like, oh yeah, well, two years ago you did this, or Hmm. five days ago you said, like, we're not talking about that right now. What we're talking about right now is this issue. And so I'll give you an example of when I chose to engage in direct conflict. So I was at the store with my son about nine months ago. All right. And I'm waiting in line like a good customer. And there's this older gentleman behind me and he had waited at the wrong register and he realized it. And so he came back and got in line behind me and he was a little frustrated already. So then another register opened up and he's like, you go over to that one. And I was like, no, I'm going to wait in line for this one, but you can go. Right. And he's like, why don't you go over there? Like, you know, like kind of like egging me on a little bit. And like, no, I'm fine. So then he goes to squeeze past me and my son. And he's like, out of the way, Sonny. Uh-huh. I see that look on your face. All right. That was, <laughs> you don't mess with my kids. No, you yeah, don't right. mess with my kids. Right. right. So that was one of those times where he was being rude to my son after he had been rude to me. I didn't care that he was rude to me. Yeah. I looked him in the eye. I was stern in my voice. I didn't yell, but I was yeah. like, Please be kind to my son, sir. Thank you. What did he do? He never looked at me. Oh, he kept yeah. walking. He went to the other register. He, like The mm. people behind me kind of chuckled a little bit. He just looked at the register and looked at the register lady because I don't think anyone had ever called him on his mm. bad behavior before. Yeah. And I didn't care that he behaved badly toward me. I, I can take that all day. You don't mm-hmm. behave badly toward my son. Sure. So I was direct. I was firm. Yeah. I stayed on topic. It's about my son. Right? That's guillotine time. Right? Yeah. yeah. I mean, you have the space. Uh huh. <laughs> right. But like, I didn't want to have to have a conflict, but I'm not yes. going to let someone yeah. be mean to my son in no. front of me. Like, yeah. how can I go home and look at myself in the mirror when I let someone yeah. be mean to my son and I didn't say anything about it? Now, yeah. did I want there to be a conflict? No. You know, I understood. He was frustrated. He waited at the wrong line, but don't take it out on my kid. Right. Yeah. Like, did he? I don't know. Sometimes I'm like thinking, do they know? If when you talk, it, it could be a woman in that line. It could be a man in that line. But when you talk to a, a child, uh-huh. you are now messing. You're playing with fire, right? There. I know, right? And it's like, be careful, like, old and man. You don't know who you're talking yeah. to. Oh, right. No, yeah. I'm not saying I, I'm the baddest dude on the planet. No, but right? you twist. You'll twist his head off if it means <laughs> you know protecting your son or right, anything like, like that. If I was a person that had anger issues, like just think about like, like honestly, like I have a pretty good control over my temper. I don't lose my temper in public. Like I can't think of a time. I, like, and even sure. then I was under control. I knew what I was doing. Sure. And sure. I made the decision. I was like, I'm, I'm sending this. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. But there are some people that have rage issues yeah. that are dangerous people. And like, if he would have talked to someone else's kid that maybe had been drinking and had anger issues, can you imagine like right. people don't, they don't think about that. Yeah. 
Well, or any sort of or any sort of combatives training, right? Which I have lots of, right? So you have a little bit of. I mean, if you have a little bit of combatives training and you got an a lot of a lot of anger issues, <laughs> yeah, which I don't have, right? But, yeah. Sure, you could be a pretty dangerous character. You just don't yeah. know, <laughs> right? So yeah, that was one time I chose to be direct. <laughs> yeah, I, my my son's still asking me about that. He's like, "What'd you say to that guy that one time?" <laughs> like, but he appreciated. Like, he really he went yeah. home and told like. You know, daddy stood up for me. Yeah. Daddy stood up for me in the store. That's this good. guy was mean to me and daddy stood up for me. So, yeah. Excellent. Yeah. So it should be rare, right? But when you have direct conflict, be firm, mm. right? Be direct and stay on topic. So last thing is reflect. And this mm. is important. How did I handle conflict? What, whatever it is, like whatever the conflict is, whether it went super well and you're like, nailed it. You mm. need to reflect on like, mm-hmm. how did I nail it? Mm. What did I learn from nailing it? If it went badly, like, you know what? the kids were pushing each other again and I raised my voice and, you know, I yelled at them or whatever. All right. What can I learn from that? Yeah. Well, detach. Don't let myself get worked up. Now there is, I think like my son, we have like, you don't lay your hands on your sister. Mm -hmm, Right. mm -hmm. So there is even then a time to be firm, but, Mm -hmm. but generally like I reflect, like, how did I handle this conflict? Did I handle it? Well, did I not handle it? Well, what can I learn and what could I have done better? And you know, every once in a while, and to go revisit and be like, hey, listen, I handled this incorrectly. Mm-hmm. But generally, the goal is to learn mm-hmm. so that I can be better at handling it later. Yeah. And these lessons that I've learned, I've either learned by being in conflict and not doing it the right way, or by watching people be in conflict and do it well or not do it well. Mm-hmm. So these are my lessons. I didn't know if you had any other feedback on that. Yeah. I think what works every time for me, whenever I, I feel that anger coming during a time of conflict it's going to be always what what works best is a gentle answer what works best is even what because i screw up a ton is an apology it's always soft a soft and gentle answers in times of conflict they they have never failed me yet and so that's those are the things that i I keep going back to, and, and my wife is like very good at, at reminding me of that, especially with the kids. And it's, you know, I, I'll just look at her and she'll just like, look at me, <laughs> she'll be like, be gentle. And I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> and so it's, a, I go back in and I, and it's, it's just a change, you know, there it's, it's a gentle and soft answer that will diffuse the situation with the children. And they respond way better. So, you know, yeah, we all do, you know, like all of us respond better to gentleness, which I don't want to get too far ahead of ourselves, but that's, that's a solid principle there. Absolutely. Generally, unless it's time, you know, some, some guys yelling at your kid in the store, right? Mm. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. No no time for softness there. Right. Yeah. Yeah. But other than that, generally gentleness is the way to go. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. That's a good Mm. point. So stay tuned for part two, where we're going to delve into Bible passages specifically about conflict, how to handle it, how not to handle it. And then after that, we're going to have some hopefully character-based podcast episodes coming out in the near future. Maybe another one. Mm. We already did David. I've got a few on the list. So I'm excited about. All right. Well, I want to thank you all for listening. If you enjoy the podcast, feel free to subscribe to tell other people about it and to help us navigate that algorithm. If you could leave a written review, that would be awesome. If you have any questions or comments, 
please reach out at info at headofnations.com. Also want to say a thank you. We've received several donations recently that are going to be able to help us to make the show even better and to reach more people. So I, I really appreciate the donations. Thank you guys. Also, if you want to support like people have been doing, go to the website, headofnations.com, click the link that says support, and we'd really appreciate that. And as always, we are the head of our nations, so let's go live like it. Until next time.